Welcome to the Unified Brand Podcast, brought to you by Elements Brand Management, a weekly podcast to empower founders, marketers, and business professionals to brand smarter, not harder, and build impactful, memorable, and differentiated brands that stand out from the competition. So today we're joined by John Keating, founder and MD at Dark Horse, making companies millions through elite PPC, SEO, and paid social. Great to have you on the Unified Brand Podcast, John. It'd be good to learn more about yourself, what you do, and Dark Horse. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's nice to chat to you. So yeah, a founder and MD of Dark Horse, which is a search marketing agency. And as you all just may know, that's predominantly PPC, paid social, and SEO. What I do mostly for the agency is hire fantastic people around me and stay out of their way on a day-to-day basis. But the aim of the agency is to kind of take underdogs in this world. So the um, SMEs out there, the e-coms owners who are struggling, and we're up against big opposition with deep pockets. And we look to take those underdogs and we look to cre- uh, turn them into dark horses, as a sporting analogy suggests, which is the unexpected winner. So we understand that mentality because the dark horse uh, could be labeled as a dark horse in our own industry, where we're relatively small against these huge network agencies. But you know, we've built processes and we try to market ourselves, position ourselves in that way. So um, we know exactly what it takes to knock some of the Goliaths off their perch and to get our clients into that clean air at the top. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us about where your sort of intro into into marketing, but also you, we had a brief chat before the podcast, but there was a story about how you got into Dark Horse and where that came from and your sort of annoyance at the existing industry. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have no passion for digital marketing, which is a bit of a weird thing to say. And um, any listeners in the UK of a certain age will probably think that's a bit of a ratner's moment. Apologies for that reference. But I really don't. I had no plans to get into digital marketing. I'm a direct marketer and by trade. So email marketing in the B2B space, it's very accountable. It's kind of straightforward, a funnel-based marketing approach. And it's through growing a company that I have in that sector called Data Broker, my first came across digital marketing. So I used three award-winning agencies and um, you, can, you can imagine they look like an agency, sound like an agency, it is disastrous surfing reception and crystal awards as, as far as the eye can see. So I felt very comfortable in using these agencies, you know, the kind of agencies run by the, the people you'd see on stage at Brighton SEO and, and, and speaking in Dubai and Vegas, whatnot. And I found that the results for in my experience with these agencies, were one of mediocrity. And, and mediocrity is a term that we've taken into Dark Horse as a, as a marketing message to avoid. They all tend to follow a, a blueprint or a process which repeated itself with negatives, really. And of course, I'll hold the mirror up to myself. And I was a common denominator within those relationships. I'm sure I could have done more things on behalf of my company to better support those agencies. It's not to say they're not full of brilliant people. But if you're a small guy, if you weren't in a cool industry, if there's no cool people on your website, if attribution is a bit of a pain in your ass and you know there's no shopping basket in the top right-hand corner and you're a long B2B sales cycle, you weren't getting access to that top-tier talent. What you were getting access to was quite a few substandard things and elephants in the room that don't really get talked about in the digital industry. And, and over time, that kind of ignited a fire in me, said that the little guy can do better or should receive better and you know a lot of stress and anxiety that i went through and difficulties at home and work and trying to make good decisions on behalf of people which led us to create dark horse which was to try and become that that change in the industry it's a frightfully simple concept it was to keep all the good things that i received as a customer within the digital marketing 
relationship and cut out the bad and, and replace them with good. It's a really common sense. And um, yeah, you know, things are going well. People seem to understand our messaging and our positioning, whether that's by luck or judgment, I don't know. You, you'll probably have a better view on that than me. But yeah, we're growing. We've been going nearly four years now and we are on the way to becoming a multi-million pound agency. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, it'd be good to highlight when you said the sort of what elephant side of things, what were the bad and what are the good? What is the, what's the difference between the two? A list of, of small things. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Now, depending on how kind of entrenched you are within digital industry, some people can relate to this and some people will think it's a, a bit too, I don't know if it's micro or macro, I've forgotten now. So if you are, put it, I'll give you an example on PPC. You can see what all the changes that are made to your PPC account by logging in and seeing what's happening a bit like you can with your internet search history. And you can do this. And if all of a sudden you see a new name pop up making changes to your accounts and it used to be stacy agency.co.uk but now it's jack at agency.co.uk you'd a you know a relatively normal person would go and see who jack is now i'll be a little bit facetious about this but it's not too far away from the truth if all of a sudden you see that jack is the receptionist or jack is the facilities manager or jack is you know straight out of college with three months experience you might be wondering why all of a sudden that Stacy, who you've invested a lot of time and, and given support and collateral and explained all these lovely, you know, four letter words like GDPR in the direct marketing world and things like that, is all of a sudden not making changes to your account. Now, I understand why that's happened, but you can catch agencies literally with their hands in the cookie jar. In my world, what should have happened in, in that kind of instance is that an agency owner should pick up the phone and, and show some integrity and, and give you the option and, and forewarn you that's going to happen and say, we're going to reduce your management fees because we're going to put a junior on the account and things like that. It's incredibly popular in the social media world today to promote the use of the use, it's not the right word, but the use of juniors within digital. Obviously, Gen Z is, is very vocal on social media, being innovative, the future of everything. And obviously, that's that's how generations work. <laughs> but certainly in digital, if you know, if you to read lots of LinkedIn posts. But I would put to anyone from any generation, you know, if you've got kids or you're looking after your own, you know, whatever your aspirations are or dreams or making decisions on behalf of other people that an MD or founder would make, for the most part, you don't want to see someone with no proven demonstrable track record take over something as important as something that's going to directly impact your kid's inheritance or the ability for you to give pay rises to your team and things like that. It's just frightfully obvious. Obviously, I can't say that on social and LinkedIn directly. I mean, I feel comfortable saying with you, Chris, on this podcast, I'm sure get cancelled in due course, but you can understand the, the concept. So there's multiple things like this. I'll give you another quick one in terms of the funnel of, of reporting to most digital agencies. You are a monthly report. You are a trend line. You are a series of bar charts and graphs that you pay the equivalent of three, four, five thousand pound a month to receive your monthly report. And if you're lucky, you might get a 15 minute call with that. I don't like that. In essence, because I understand as a customer what it means to receive that report and whether that ruins your day, whether that means that you go home and have an argument with your other half or your partner, whether that means that you go home and put your kids to bed early because you're in a bad mood and you're anxious because of performance or whatever it may be. There is humans and people behind reports. And until you've experienced the other side of that, it's quite difficult to see through that. And I feel agencies and in particular digital agencies have kind of forgotten that. But, you know, specifically... It's not beyond the realms of possibility, and I've, I've seen this happen, is that reports can change over time depending on how well that an agency is performing for you. It starts off with, you know, month-on-month -month bar charts and things like that and metrics and KPIs. And all of a sudden, when the line goes stagnant or things aren't going well, you'll see year-on-year -year reports. 
filter through instead and things like that. And the metrics will change from conversions and things actually, you know, affect the bottom line. We start going up the funnel and you can imagine the people sat around a room in, in a meeting room with an agency saying, oh, you know, guys, we've got no conversions for him again this month. He's going to go off his rocker if we send him another report. What can we do? They go up the funnel, they go traffic, they go rankings. They, and then eventually when that's not improving, you can all of a sudden start to see things like you get reports through where they're leading with search impression share or time on site or duration on page or bounce rate. And I'm not paying four or five thousand pounds a month for someone to improve my bounce rate across the site by 1.8%. So if you're in the agency, digital agency world, there are people, you know, SEO execs, PPC execs who, who will know exactly what I'm talking about and have been involved in been in these meeting rooms around these conversations. I mean, dark horse here, we tend to punch up of our weight in the talent that we attract. And it's not because we're the biggest payers or we've got the swankiest office or, you know, we're not in a penthouse in the middle of Manchester. It's because they recognize that in the industry and they want to act through integrity and they feel comfortable working at an agency who understands the human behavior behind these things, who, who thinks about these things and effectively shows empathy and you know, will not go down these roads. You know, we'd be hypocritical if we did. So yeah, there's, there's a couple of real world examples of the kind of things that have happened to my previous company in the past, which I thought, well, I'm, I'm just not having that. We need to do better. If you are going to you know, reduce labor costs or stick people in automation because frankly, you want to, you know, maintain your profit margins, then show some integrity, show some, you know, character and give people a call and say, you're going to do that and these things. But, you know, I mean, you all know, Chris, I'm sure from your contacts within the industry that we know damn well that these conversations don't happen and you don't get a call from the MD of the agency saying, by the way, we're putting a junior on your account and um, we're going to show you how expendable you are. So yeah, these things created a Terminator-like approach in me where, you know, it's amazing how, how losing a load of money can do that, <laughs> where I wanted to do something about it. It's crazy to me to think that you would, in a situation where, like you said, where something went stagnant, rather than almost bringing that up and then asking the question, why has this gone stagnant? What isn't working? Why you would then try to hide that side of things instead of directly focusing on it and saying, what can we do to improve this? We've tried this one thing. By changing that as well, you're almost changing the KPIs in certain situations. Like you said there, you've gone from leads and conversions or you know, booking particular calls or product sales to time on site. It's a completely different KPI. It's a different, your strategy hasn't been set up for that at that point, probably, unless it's one of the KPIs you're focusing on. So it's an interesting shift to suddenly go to that. And it's, yeah, I can definitely see that would be something that would be frustrating to be on the receiving end of. So yeah, so from your point of view, within Dark Horse, what is it that you do to, one, celebrate the customer, two, value the customer, and three, kind of maintain this? Because you said the word integrity a few times, which is something I hold quite close. And I think, so what are the things you do from that perspective? Sure. Well, first of all, we're only going to take on customers where we... I say the word genuinely, but that sounds an awful. That sounds like something that people would say when they're, you know, not being genuine, like, um, you know, kind of be honest with you. But we'll only take on people where we can demonstrate the impact that we're going to bring, those results that we think we can bring. So everyone's um, got a, a goal that we're working to. It's all very visible. Secondly, in terms of hiring, then I do the hiring, the majority of the hiring at Dark Horse. And even though I'm not a technical person and everyone who joins Dark Horse is painfully aware of our aims of the company and what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, we can't throw stones if we have a, a glass house. So they're brought in and inducted in a way that says we have to do better than everybody else. If we are not, we literally will have to go away and do something about it. We'll hold our hands up. We'll have those uncomfortable conversations with clients. 
if that means for our, if we make a mistake, you know, which we have, everyone will do. If you have, you know, a hundred clients from time to time and we have nearly 30 people working here, a mistake will happen, then you own up to it and you give the money back. Give me an example. It's something that doesn't happen in is well, I've not seen it happen in the agency world, is is that we've given spend back to a client on a mistake that we made. You know, it was very costly for us. We gave thousands back, but we felt it was the right thing to do. Now that is showing integrity. What a another agency which maybe doesn't share that, that value. We only have one value, which is doing the right thing. We'll try and come up with some kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily say excuse, but camouflage or whatever it may be, deflection and say, well, we've done the work. You can't predict these things. A bit like, you know, have a catch-all that a certain deity may move in mysterious ways. If something's a bit difficult to explain, well, no balls to that from, a, you know, we want to work with science and empirical data. And if the science and empirical data says that something's gone wrong, then we will own up to it and, you know, physically, financially, whatever it may be, make that up. But everyone, um, the heads of the department are tasked with coming up with processes. It's called the Dark Horse Difference, the head of SEO, head of PPC, to physically and tangibly do things which we think that other agencies wouldn't do. And that's what you kind of have to do when you're up against people with gigantic budgets and you're in a tricky spot in um, certain industries. But it, it's I'm not a fan of values, which is inherently part of branding, as we know. Purpose, all of these things that I'm told, you know, have huge sway. And I'm not saying that they don't. I think it depends on the industry that you're in, the size of the company and your target audience and all these different types of things. Like for argument's sake, I don't know what the values of my accountant or roofer or plumber is. I've never asked and don't care. It was a fair price and I and it came across as reasonably credible, which is why we use them. But in marketing, values are everywhere. There are decal on the wall, they're on the homepage, there are all these different things. And the only thing that I could think of or was interested in terms of values that represented Dark Horse and the, and the, the group of people that are so important to what a brand well, was, what I understand as a layman, to what I understand the brand to be, which is a kind of almost an outward representation of who we are as a group, is doing the right thing. Sometimes I use the word integrity and sometimes I use the word authenticity, which I don't really like these days because they've been bastardized and butchered by personal branders all across social media where they don't mean anything it's a bit like calling yourself no bullshit as an agency which in fact if you were to label yourself that you'd actually be excuse my language i don't know if done under the admin and the rules around this but you'd be full of shit by definition because there's so many companies who say that which are nonsense that it holds no sway but you know you talk about the, you know bringing the, the human element chris i'm a big believer and you might see this on the branding of our website and how we talk and our tone of voice and all these kind of supplementary, you know, the visual identity, the supplementary things that make up brand. I'm a big believer in bringing emotion to the table. Now, I'm not clever enough to understand about the different sides of the brain and what the left brain does and what the right brain does. But what I can do is think about my own experiences and you know how I've come to decisions and things like that. And the analogy that I use is that if you go to a property website like Rightmove, then you can type in, I want a four bedroom house with a front and back garden in a certain area and you will get 25 options. And for me, this is the logical side of the brain. This is how most people choose a digital agency. This is when they type in SEO agency Manchester and they see page one, the top five people who are SEO agencies in Manchester. That's the logic sorted. They've all got fantastic case studies. They all say they're brilliant. It means nothing. If they all say that, they might as well not say anything. You can play logo ruler on the website. They all look the same, bland, gray, beige, whatever it may be. But you go and visit those houses, then one of them, depending on what you're looking for in a house, will make you feel warm and fuzzy when you walk into that kitchen or you walk into that lounge or you see that garden, whatever it is that you really want. And that's the emotional attachment. And that's what I want to bring to Dark Horse. In, you know, if we have a client meeting or what have you, it's like a Disney Q experience. I want them to feel something. 
So a lot of people, you know, we have quite a polarizing visual identity. A lot of people don't like it. I mean, we've had, when we rebranded recently, we had a client leave because of, you know, a change of colors and a choice language and things like that on our website. It was too much of them. I think um, it's interesting because before we started the podcast, we had a little chat and you said, I don't know a lot about branding. And I think what you've just articulated in the last sort of couple of minutes is exactly what branding is. And you're doing an amazing job at branding, positioning yourself differently. And the fact you've got one value rather than seven is a differentiator in itself. The fact that you have one thing that you hold yourself accountable to is the differentiation point. You said about purpose and purpose is important. But again, it's one of those things that if you don't believe it, it just goes in the drawer and people just have it on the wall or something. But what you're actually saying with your purpose and where the story comes from and the idea of wanting to change the industry is kind of a purpose that drives things forward and everything that you're doing, which is a really interesting thing because you're actually living your purpose. It sounds there's a vision involved. You've got a vision in place that you're moving towards. It sounds like you live it day to day. So I think actually from a branding perspective, you're probably better than 99, if not 100% of the digital marketing agencies you're talking about, because most of them, like you said, are boilerplate and they're using exactly what everyone would think they would say. And that's a problem with a lot of industries. And that's this is my passion coming out now. So I've listened to yours and that's awesome. And from mine, it's that a lot of businesses don't celebrate their uniqueness. They're not unique enough and they don't differentiate enough. And a lot of industries are so stale with boilerplate, copycat, all this sort of stuff that you never really truly come across individuality. But when I saw your agency, when I went onto your site and when I saw your profile picture on LinkedIn, all these things, it's like straight away, yeah, these are people that understand brand, but also that are trying to be different for a reason. And there's a reason behind it. Are you struggling to grow your brand, but not sure why? Has your business hit a growth ceiling or is your marketing failing to land with your target audience? At Elements Brand Management, we've put together a four minute brand power assessment that will score your brand in a percentage out of 100 and highlight the key areas that are holding your business back. Visit brandpowerscore.co.uk today, take the assessment and unlock your business's full potential. I think that we brand if that's a verb and um, apologies for butchering that without knowing it without trying it without possibly understanding the intricacies of it because i just feel that it's part of being who you are and common sense truth and integrity which is i presume you know uh, well i know it's part of our branding it's absolutely at the core of what dark horse genesis and is about and the catalyst so it's really easy to brand dark horse because all i have to do is i don't have to really you know sit down and do some flow charts and go through a, a book you know starting off with mission values blah blah purpose and going on all these different things i just look at you know inside about what i felt in the past and how i feel now and things like that and that's what you know brings out the tone of voice or the visual identity on the website and the cultural references to you know, a lot, not all, you know, the, the brand is a reflection of us as a group, but in a lot of cultural references on the website, you know, you'll get a feel of Batman and uh, a story, an origin story that might relate to, you know, an anti-hero and all these things. These are, you know, I grew up in the eighties and things like, you know, it's just what I know and what I've um, watched and listened to with, you know, older brothers and things like that. And it's the word, yeah, horrible word, but it's authentic. And when people speak to us, we present quite well, we come across quite well, they believe it because we are it. It's really straightforward. We're not trying to be, you know, straight laced in, in suits and ties and, and come across that way or vice versa. It's just a reflection of who we are. If that is branding, great. If it's not, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to change anyway. It is branding. One of the biggest things we do when we're working with clients, it's about uncovering. It's about uncovering something. 
And a lot of times people bury things underneath red tape bureaucracy and kind of what they think they should be, as opposed to what truly makes you different. Who are you? Where have you come from? What's the story behind it? You know, what's the thing you're trying to solve? What are you trying to achieve? Those are the things that are important. And then it's about creating a, a package around that that communicates it to your target audience. That's kind of what it is in a nutshell. And it's a lot of times it's simpler than people make it out to be. It should just be, it's really simple. It's just what makes you different. Why do you stand out? Who you're trying to reach? How do we package this up so you get that message across? That's branding, basically, and that's what it should be. One of the things that we try to do, I'm not sure whether this is interesting or not, is that I'm not smart enough to understand the processes and all these wonderful things that the people that I work with, I'm incredibly, you know, it's an honour to work with some of the brains that I do. But, you know, I understand the story and things like that. So I try to bring a story and narrative element of PPC and Desio and all these things that some people, you know, if you're interested, great. If you're not, it's a little bit dry. You know, I suppose that's the same with many in industry. Two things. So, you know, in our kind of elevator pitch and whatever it's called these days, positioning statement and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, yes, we are a search marketing agency who do X, Y, and Z and deliver X, you know, Y and Z value. We kind of, you know, it's used to kind of, if you've ever seen Stranger Things and the Upside Down, we flip that into, we have a bit of tongue-in-cheek joking here about the, the Dark Horse universe like Marvel cinematic universe that we have. Google has its own character where competitors are mob bosses, where there is a drug which is being spread all across Altrincham, which is ridiculous, Gotham City, which is the drug of mediocrity. We have baddies that are the are PPC and paid social and SEO of people who are doing properly and freelancers are represented. And everyone has a character and we use a lot of video and imagery and AI imagery as well and, and all these different types of things to bring this topic of search marketing to life in a story. So, you know, you can imagine the e-com zone in this dreary Gotham City where it's always raining, that torrential rain that you get in Batman, and the neon lights and stuff like that, you know, and then these are the shop owners who are having bricks thrown through the window. And, you know, the racketeering of Google, who I'm probably going to get into some slander, or I should say uh, major search engines who are, <laughs> who are, you know, trying to get them to spend more on different types of new products and services. And if you don't, and then the shop gets destroyed and things like this. And then there's an Amazon highway that's coming straight through the center and, and an Etsy mall outside the what have you in all these third party. You know, I think people understand things that they can see and hear and feel. And so I want, you know, we have this thing that I say in the office uh, a lot, which is indifference is death. I don't mind if people hate us. And I don't mind if people, you know, think we're a bunch of oddballs or whatever you want to say, but they have to think something and feel something when they come and visit, receive something from us or what have you. And I feel that uh, kind of a visual storytelling element. And I think audio is really important. I mean, if we're doing interviews, you know, I will use certain types of music and things like that in the background and whatnot. Because it's all, for me, it's just all about emotion. You know, the guys in the office, they hate my music choices. They all want to listen to things that, you know, 250 beats a minute and they're all younger than me. And it's all, you know, cool stuff that I can't understand. I, don't, I can't even listen to the words. I don't think, I'm not even sure it is words. Whereas I want to listen to, it sounds a bit, uh, well, I don't care. But things like that Zimmer would do and these soundtracks to certain movies and films and whether it's Inception or what have you like that. And, I'm sure the guys probably think, you know, is he okay? Because, you know, I could have like, you know, we could be welling up in the office with my big headphones on typing something. But the, the scores to these films have an effect on me and they make me write certain things and feel certain ways. And if I'm thinking, if I feel like that, if my choices and things that I do are influenced by these cultural references, then it's sure, unless I am, you know, a complete weirdo on my own. But it stands to reason that others will be, except we just don't necessarily bring them in or talk about them in, in a lot of B2B type marketing. We just stick to safe, 
dull, you know, paint by numbers stuff. And I just think, oh, you know, screw that. Let's just go with Batman beating up the Joker or what have you. And, you know, with a rousing score and, and relate that to PPC. Yeah, I think that's it's a really good example of um, the fact that because you're so clear on who you are, that the theme of what you do extends and it can extend exponentially into the areas. So the whole story that you told and you've created this narrative for these different players to live in and that you're part of that is because you're so clear on who you are. Once you're clear on that and you have that focus, it means everything else can can flow from it. I love the idea of the scores. There was a film I watched called Outlaw. I think it was one of the, um, funny enough surname, but like one of the films from uh, the guy that did Football Factory in the business. I think it's one of those. It's got Sean Bean in it. The first like 10 minutes, it doesn't have any music and it is the weirdest thing. You don't know what's off at first. You think this is really strange. There's nothing going on here and you don't feel anything. It, you almost don't know how to feel, what to feel, because nothing's guiding you along this journey, this emotional journey. And then this instant happens, which is really quite a horrific instant in the film, but then music kicks in and suddenly you go, whoa, what's happened here? And it's about 10 to 15 minutes where it's completely still and then it kicks in. But yeah, the power of that music adds to storytelling is amazing what they can do, especially when you listen to, I'm a massive geek, Star Wars geek. So like the soundtracks of like John Williams and stuff and the things he's done and growing up with Indiana Jones and that some of the soundtracks we had in the, the 80s and 90s were just unbelievable. So totally on board with that. When you hire people, what are the kind of things you look for? What's the kind of way that you build that culture and develop it internally? Truth and in- integrity, again, it's to sound really quite boring. I want them to tell me bad things, uh, bad things, you know, <laughs> that's, that sounds a bit weird. But what I know, you know, what I know will be the truth. So for argument's sake, let me talk about sales as, as an example, because, you know, sales is, doesn't have to be a technical role at Dark Horse. You can look at many a different sales CV and having been in sales, that was, you know, that's my background, I suppose. You've had seven roles. The chances are that a salesperson has not been fired from one of these sales roles is slim. But the amount of people that sit in front of me and, you know, when I question, and I won't directly question something as maybe sensitive like that, but, you know, ask reasons for leaving and whatnot, just automatically makes me think, you know, I'll just, I'll just be looking for things that say, no, you're not exactly truthful or being completely honest with that. And if I get a sense of that, then they're just not coming on board, no matter what the CV says in experience. So we are talking about the person. If it's a sense of entitlement and, you know, we celebrate the individuals. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about culture. And for me, I don't really know too much about it or what it is, but for our culture, it's just who we are and, and how our individuals react um, with each other. I think if people are don't understand the idea of a group moving forward is more powerful than individual wants you know, looking to take, take, take. A bit like a a parasite on a host. That's how a lot of the feel you can get from people is, you know, what do you need? What, you know, sounds ridiculous, but what salary salary expectations? Oh, well, I've got two years PPC experience, so I want 80 grand. Well, you know, you can just go elsewhere. It's as simple as that. Especially a lot of um, certain generations are predispositioned to um, focus on sustainability, which of course, you know, Dark Horse, we love sustainability in the environment ourselves. But that doesn't apply to life or what sits in front of me in an interview. That just means that they'll, you know, they'll wear some fast fashion three times before chucking it away. You know, if you're asking for 80k and expect a promotion every six months because that's what you've seen on YouTube or read, you know, know your value or you're reframing job hopping every six months to I'm looking for somewhere where I'm valued. These are massive warning flags that says you're full of shit. There's hypocrisy running through everything you're saying. So I want our actions to prove i suppose the cv and you know and if i don't get that feeling that the cv is 
related to the per, you know if, if it's a templated cv it's full of the words like passionate individual team player i think an easy way to do it is when someone writes something on a cv is to literally say well give me an example what do you mean by this and then half the time it's like well because it's just something to copy and paste on a paragraph and it's like and if you can't justify it you know i i view myself as you know, making myself come across as a bit of an arse here but you know it's probably not too far away from the truth when you're interviewed and hiring for me i'm a guardian of dark horse in that sense a gatekeeper if you like i don't want bad apples coming in so although i'm not going to you know hopefully people who have been interviewed by myself would say it was a nice pleasurable experience but i know what i'm looking for like i know you know what my questions actually mean and the answers that are, are going to you know get people to you know the final stage and that is just to show truth and integrity yeah, I think you said it. I mean, gatekeeper is a really good word for it because you are you're, you're protecting the brand, you're protecting the kind of the existing relationships you have with your team, but you're also protecting your clients, and you're actually trying to you're making sure that that vision, that mission, whatever it is that you're you know with disrupting and changing the industry for the better. Yeah, you're making sure that continues because as soon as you relax that in any way and you let somebody on board doesn't have the things that are what makes up dark horse, then that's when things start to change and shift and it can cause issues and all that sort of stuff. So you're totally, it makes complete sense to do that. We've done that, Chris. Sorry, you know, to interject there. You know, I've kissed quite a few frogs and made quite a few mistakes. I, I know I would say overall, I'm quite lucky at hiring, but you know, gee whiz, have I got it wrong sometimes. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, how, well, this is just the mob mentality of social media and playing the bigger numbers and the bigger percentages. Obviously, there's more people who aren't employees as there are as employees. Employees are capitalist Dickensian workhorse owners who want to bleed everyone dry and, you know, and go back to their mansions of an evening and stuff like that, which is not true for, I'm sure, 99% of employers. But, you know, and that's not a cool story. But there's, there's loads of people out there who are quite happy to take a role or to think, oh, well, I'll just take this job just to see how it goes. I'll give it a couple of months. And if I don't like it, I'll just piss off to the next one because if it's a candidate market and, you know, there's a high demand for anyone with any PPC knowledge or SEO knowledge or whatever it is. But I know what that actually means. I know, you know, I might have paid £10,000 recruitment fee for that person and an extra £5,000 in wages and an extra £5,000 in training or whatever it may be. And that will mean that I can't take my kids on holiday or that some, or three people in the company don't get a pay rises. But the flippancy of this kind of, you know, entitlement within the candidate market, it's just water off a duck's back, they're off to the next thing. And I don't give a shit. So yeah, I do have to kind of protect against that. And that quite happy to bring an unpopular opinion to people because they just don't get it and don't care. You know, I'll give you another example. I interviewed a candidate who's doing, who's uh, recently, who's done an MSc and their salary expectations were off the charts, in my humble opinion, because they've done a master's. And that was their answer when I asked, well, I've done a master's, so I want X. With no commercial kind of thought of mindset will as to what other people who might be interviewing will want. It's just, I've done a master's, so I've got X amount of thousands of pounds worth of debt. I need Y amount of money to carry on forward. Well, it's all very well. But if the next five people that I interview, you know, I've got three years of industrial, you know, sorry, of experience in industry of doing this exact job and you just come straight out of theoretical into it and you want £10,000 more, then that doesn't work. You've got to wise up in this world. You know, I suppose working with Dark Horse means you've got to have a commercial mindset by definition of going up against these big players with tough markets. It's difficult. If you're not kind of streetwise in that respect, you know, it's, you want to hide into nothing. Yeah, definitely. So from that perspective, you mentioned there about competing with the big players. How do you do that? What are the things that you do differently in terms of the day-to-day? -day? And also what are the things that you try to do with your clients in that process that changes it from what the big players are doing? 
Well, to be honest, Chris, those are questions for my head of SEO, head of PPC and head of paid social. What I can say is I've never been paid for a day's PPC, paid social or SEO work or done a day's paid work in my life. But that goes back to hiring the brilliant people. So it will be about reverse engineering and empathy. So when I am doing my role, I'm always thinking about the person on the other side of the table, what they will think, the MDs, the marketing managers of our clients and things like that. I expect that heads of departments do exactly that in terms of understanding the competition and getting in the heads of what they're going to do and how they do it and come up with strategies around of nerfing it. I see the results of what they do um, because of the client retention. Our client retention is not client retention. No, because I can say it in both ways. Our client retention is over 92%. It's um, single figure churn. So we do really well and we get great results. But if I was to try and describe exactly what we do differently and what we do in Google Ads and what we do with content and what we do with digital PR over I just make a fool of myself. It's just not something that I do. I set the direction, I set the tone of voice of the agency, I set the standards of what I would expect of a client and an MD and all those different types of things. I mean, I've just, I bet they haven't read it yet, but my, uh, for our own internal SEO of darkhorse.co, I've just received the monthly report and given my thoughts on that, which went a bit longer than probably what it should do. But saying, you know, I mean, things are going well, things are going fine, but our course isn't about fine and good. We have two aims for the agency. We have a financial aim, which is to become a multi-million pound agency. We'll get there. We'll become one of the largest independent agencies in the Northwest of England. I'm pretty confident about that. Not because of me, because I'm standing on their shoulders. But the two other aims are to create the best agency paid department in the country and to create the best organic agency department in the country, which is two stupid aims. Because it's like starting a, a football team and saying I want to win a Premier League. Well, you know, great. And Ladbrokes would take your money all day long for you to, for us to put a bet on that. What we all call, we all call Dark Horse. You would expect me to put a bet, a bet on and I would. I'd be confident. And we're doing well on our way to do that. But with those aims, that always is the default. You know, there's the default of my layman's understanding to everything that the technical guys do in the other rooms. When they bring stuff to me, it's like, well, is this the best in the country? Yeah, I can imagine it causes some kind of discord at times with the teams, but it's like, well, that's the aim. So, you know, we go back to the drawing board and we evolve and we evolve and we evolve. And I'm not too sure what the best would actually look like. I suppose I better not say that out loud because I keep on saying it forever, really. So it's cool. There was, there was a... Um... Something I heard recently about the rowing team that won the gold medal and they had one thing they kept on going back to, will it make the boat go faster? Every time they had a decision, they'd run it through that process. I like that. But do we stay here in the gym for another 10 minutes, half an hour? Will it make the boat go faster? Yes, we're going to stay in and do another load on the rowing machine. Like, should I eat this thing? Should I go out and do this thing? Will it make the boat go faster? It was a really interesting talk I heard and, it, and I think it's on YouTube, really worth watching. But when you were saying that then, it reminded me of that, that kind of thing where it's kind of, those standards and I was going to ask you as a question what does the future hold or what's the vision for Dark Horse and you kind of answered it in that last question but yeah it sounds like you've got that focus and that clarity and that understanding of where you want to go yeah and it's just about exacting the standards to get there and it sounds like you're doing that from all angles so that's pretty cool I mean whether it's me that takes them there I don't know I mean I suppose you know you've got to look at yourself and think and hold the mirror up. I mean, I mentioned accountability before. I've got experience of creating Dark Horse is my second seven-figure company. Okay, so for me, I can create seedlings or I mean, I use to chihuahua. Yeah, I don't know why I go with the dog analogy, but you know, in terms of Spaniel, Labrador, Great Dane, that type of, you know, am I the right person to take these to what that ever that level may be, which, you know, eight-figure agency, whatever it may, you know, it could be international offices and 
around different parts of Europe or, or whatever it may be. Unlikely, I would imagine. No, I might not do. I might do in as much as you know. I'd never create a seven-figure agency until you've done it. But it stands to reason at some point the long-term vision. I'm probably going to need additional support. There's, there's most of our competition in agencies in and around Manchester. They usually have two or three shareholders or senior people. I think at times being the founder and MD of an agency in a single voice. I think sometimes it can hold you back. Sometimes it can get lonely at the top and it might make you go a little bit slower and, and procrastinate at times, you know, because you doubt yourself. And I think that if you're relatively smart, actually, you probably should doubt yourself at times. It can probably work on the flip side, whereas it's easy for me to sign off some branding, which can be relatively, you know, new to or different to than a lot of people, because I can just go with, with gut instincts. But yeah, I think the long-term goal is I'm going to need some assistance, some people who've uh, really already taken that next step. You know, so. Going back to truth and integrity, I'm a big believer of getting help from people who've been there and done it from what you're trying to achieve, which is one of the reasons why on people who know me on LinkedIn will see me moan about personal branding and certain aspects of LinkedIn, because usually there's some amazing people who understand personal branding and what it actually means out there and things like that. But there's also a load of people who are, you know, who are in the final year of university or comes, you know, straight out of university or all of a sudden personal branding experts and giving advice to everyone left, right and center whilst they take selfies of themselves in the lift. Now, for me, that's bullshit. That's nonsense. So you should have the self-awareness to know the right people to follow and get advice from. I'm sure I'll probably look at that in a few years. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, it's been awesome. It's been really good talking to you. It's been a really, really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. And uh, where can people find out a little bit more about yourself, Dark Horse, and uh, anything else that's going on? Well, Dark Horse itself is the website. It's darkhorse.co. Yeah, I'd love to hear people's comments on it because it is quite polarizing, as I said. Overall, you know, we certainly benefited from our visual rebrand and things like that that we did at the start of the year. But we have had people who have the odd client who has left and given us some negative feedback and said not for them. So I'm always interested in people's views on that. Myself, uh, my LinkedIn profile, just look for John Keating. But yeah, I would say disclaimer on that. My LinkedIn views are not the views of Dark Horse itself. I know it should be joined up and things like that and uh, would be a nice straight line, but I just can't help it. I can't help but look at LinkedIn and think and want to self-harm or whatever it may be just shout scream from the rooftops that's uh, what i read so yeah if you fancy it i'm reading a bit, a bit of a whinge and, and about a digital marketing industry and i would like to think hopefully amusing moans and check out my linkedin profile cool i'll put the links in the show notes it's been awesome good talking to you and uh, yeah we should do it again sometime thanks chris don't forget to subscribe if you've enjoyed this episode of the unified brand podcast and if you could rate and review wherever you get your podcast that would be highly appreciated if you want to continue your brand development journey head over to elements brand management on youtube there's a link in the show notes below where you'll see clips from the podcast brand building tips deep dives and more so thank you for listening and remember keep those brands unified <laughs>